Welcome to the podcast Slavery Unraveled, conversations about being slavery free from Be Slavery Free, a NGO come charity working together to disrupt, prevent and abolish human slavery globally. Welcome to Slavery Unraveled, the podcast. I'm Fuzz Kiddo for Be Slavery Free, an NGO working to disrupt, abolish and prevent modern slavery. As I said in the last podcast, we have more slaves in the world now than any other point of human history. So we have to ask the question, why does it happen and how the heck can we be in that situation at this point of human history? And so what we're going to look at is why it happens. Why does slavery happen? Simply put, most people fall into slavery because they're vulnerable to being tricked, to being trapped, or to being exploited. Often it's a result of poverty, exclusion, or disenfranchisement, or marginalization, or because laws just don't properly protect people. So let's look at these and unpack them a little. Uh, People are tricked, trapped, and in poverty, and often it goes together. Uh, These things blend into each other as a part of the ecosystem of vulnerability to people being um, caught in modern slavery. We were talking to a small group of campaigners, uh, well, we were taking a small group of campaigners and professional people through India to expose them to modern slavery and spend time with our NGO partners and others uh, and businesses that were trying to deal with the challenges and the complexities of this issue of modern slavery. One of the places in India we visited was in Delhi, sometimes called New Delhi, of course. The group was mainly made up of females. Only two of us were males in this group of around about eight, nine people. Carolyn, my co-director, best friend, and the person I'm married to, asked the NGO um, uh, that we were partnering with called Oasis, um, is there anybody uh, 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 that we could come and, and... do something really nice for the females and paint them with the henna uh, in their hands and feet. Yeah, it's a sort of a, a temporary tattoo that wears off, but they have these most beautiful uh, patterns that they paint on to the hands and the feet, sometimes up the arms as well. It's called uh, Mindi in Hindi. It is an art form. Uh, the NGO that we were working with, Oasis, said, oh yes, there is a person we could do this for. It was the end of our trip, and it was just really nice to have something that, you know, done nice to them, but also something they could take home and talk about uh, when they got off the plane or they visited with their friends and with their family. Yes, they said from Oasis, uh, there's a lady uh, that's caught in prostitution, and uh, she's paying off her debt to the brothel, uh, brothel's madame. Uh, it's a form of slavery. It's called debt bondage. We do this to help them to have a trade when they are released, they said, so that they don't fall back into slavery again. So they told us her story. Her father became very ill, and the medical response and procedures and the medications were beyond the financial resources of their family. So this woman said that she would look for some other better paying work so that she could pay for these and save her father. He was terminally ill with the illness that he had. A neighbour heard about her desire to make more money and get another job and said they they thought they could find a job for her in a factory and she would get good pay for this but she'd have to go to another city, to Mumbai. She readily agreed. But when she got to Mumbai, there was no job. 
and she was bought by a madame in a brothel and told she had to service men until she had paid off the debt. She escaped once and uh, got back to her hometown. Uh, there was uh, just a, a horrific situation that she was in. Uh, to do the tricks to service the men, sometimes it'd be only around about uh, equivalent to a, a, a dollar uh, in uh, American money in US dollars. So it was going to take a long, long time. She got desperate. She saw a chance and she escaped. She got back to her hometown. She even got married and got pregnant uh, with her husband. But the brothel owner sent what are called the goons, strong men, bad men, who find escapees and they found her. They like to get people back that escape just so that the information, the realisation gets around that you cannot get away, you cannot escape. Uh, fear is a key thing in modern slavery that holds people into the situations where they uh, have, uh, have been trapped. They beat her up, these goons, and beat her husband up and dragged her back to the brothel where she had to then uh, pay off the cost of the goons collecting her. It was added to the amount that she had to pay off. It was just getting bigger and bigger. Carolyn asked Oasis, uh, did they know how much money that she owed? And it was about the, the, the uh, collectively, uh, about the same that uh, females would pay for a henna tattoo back in their home countries. Once told this reality, the women all agreed that they would put in the money and pay off her debt. It was arranged with the madame at the brothel and uh, the, the person doing the, the henna painting uh, had been caught in modern slavery, arrived late morning and painted these beautiful patterns on the hands and the feet of the women in the group. She'd been trained uh, well and she had a real gift for this. As the day went on, it was fascinating to watch her. Her smile got bigger and bigger. At around 4pm, she finished the last henna tattoo and we gave her the cash that was needed and the NGO caseworker with Oasis took her back to the brothel, paid off the madan. She collected her belongings, which were in a small bag, and she was taken to the train for the 24-hour train ride back home. But we had put in more money than what was needed to pay off the madame so that she could get a first-class ticket on the train all the way back home. She was met at the other end by a social worker who was going to help her with a re-entry into her family and uh, into her home and into her community. And uh, she would help her to also not get pulled in the poverty cycle again. Sadly, though, her father had died. And uh, this is a not uncommon story about how people get tricked and trapped and because of the poverty and because that um, when they come out of slavery, if they are able to, uh, to experience that, the re-entry back into a community, particularly into family and into a home community, is not an easy task. There is so much work to be done there to help that. And then, of course, and also to help them to get a job so that they do not get caught in the poverty cycle again. We saved a person from further modern slavery. And that night that we were able to put her on the train, she went back home, we sat around in the group and said to the group, you do realise that today you freed a slave. 
it was one of the pivotal experiences of the whole trip to India for those people. They went back home, they told the story, and people started to grasp a sense of not only what had happened, but also why it had happened. That's what we try and do when we take groups away to help them to share the story and to explain how or why modern slavery happens. We saved a person from modern slavery, but we didn't solve the problem. This is a problem to be managed. As we've said a number of times, and we keep on saying, this is a wicked problem. It's not something you just solve by freeing a person or getting a person out of slavery. It is about helping uh, uh, the culture and the systems to change so that people do not get caught into slavery in the first place. One of the other areas why uh, people get caught in slavery is because the laws don't protect them. In many countries, there are laws about modern slavery, uh, about it being illegal. But there's often not rule of law, or in other words, the laws are not applied, or there are not enough resources to apply the laws, as happens in some countries. And yes, corruption is often rife. Not just because of bad acting people, but because of the poverty and bribes. That, that, and bribes are a way that they can survive and get enough money for their families to work. It's a systemic problem. Systemic problems need systemic solutions. We heard of one major company where they budgeted almost $1 million as a part of the, the, um, the overall cost of doing uh, business in that particular country, in that particular place. And uh, they said that they could not do business there if they did not pay bribes. It was in the audit that was done on the company as well. So laws often do not protect people and uh, the culture takes over, the realities take over and the laws are just not there to be able to be enacted or they're not there uh, and able to, to be applied to situations that people find themselves in, particularly if they are powerless. The third area is poverty. The biggest reason why modern slavery occurs is basically because of poverty. We're in a southeastern Asian country in May, uh, meeting with CEOs and other C-suite people, you know, CFOs, um, COOs, and all the other Cs that were uh, that are often in the executive of companies, and we we're talking about modern slavery in the country, particularly manufacturing and agricultural products, um, because uh, crops there um, in palm oil and uh, in, uh, in in a number of agricultural products uh, uh, were were rife with modern slavery. If it was really as bad as people say this is, one COO said, um, people would stop company. It's just it's just beat up. It's not as bad as what you all say. Um, he had no idea about the desperation that poverty affects in people and the desperation of abject poverty particularly. So many people who are caught in, uh, in slavery come out of poverty and abject poverty and by going particularly overseas and being foreign workers, it allows them a chance to get money to send back to the home to allow their families and their communities and their extended families to survive. Often, one of the biggest challenges uh, that I've seen uh, is, or listen, as we've seen and listened to people in poverty, I've realised how desperately poor people, often starving people, how difficult it is for them to, uh, to leave, I find it difficult to leave them in the situation they're in. 
when someone tells you that they need food, when they do the international one of putting their hands to their mouth saying that they were desperately hungry, and I hear their story most times through a translator about what's happening in their lives, the desperation that's there, I find it so difficult to to, to walk away and to leave them there. Most times I have no chance of doing anything else. Sometimes I'm able to help out, but it's only for short term. But for short term, in short term, desperate people are living for the moment. It's why I cannot stand wasting food in our in our home or when I go out. When you uh, when you see poverty like this and desperate poverty firsthand, uh, it affects your life, your values, and the way that you live. And poverty is the biggest reason why uh, modern slavery happens. People, desperate people, get tricked, get trapped uh, in uh, in in situations that are dodgy, dangerous, and uh, destructive. And it is often that they are so desperate they'll take the chances. I was in East Africa uh, helping to build a coalition uh, of people with NGOs who are working in this area of modern slavery. And I said to them, so where are people going from here? And they said, oh, uh, down to South Africa if it's uh, for, for you know, jobs and, and, and possibilities in the sex industry or get caught there. Others, it's all up in the Gulf country in the Middle East. So I said, do they come back? Oh, yes, yeah, sometimes they come back, you know. And I said, so what happens to them when they come back? Question I always like to ask. And they said, well, uh, many of them just try and go back again. And I said, but they've been caught in modern slavery and uh, tricked. You know, they were, were, they were um, shown that, that this is just a, a dangerous thing to do. Uh, why do they go back? And they say because they're desperate, because they have no money. They've come back to a situation that they left, which is still the same. They're still in poverty. They're still desperate. And they go, maybe I'll be more lucky next time. Maybe that I'll uh, I'll find a, a, a situation where I'm not caught in slavery, where I will make money and can send back home. Poverty makes people desperate. Unless you're in poverty or you've seen poverty or you work with desperate poverty, you don't get the same sort of insight of just how powerful this is in people's ways of seeing the world. The fourth thing is exclusion or disenfranchisement. The majority of people who get caught in modern slavery are women or children, those under 18. They are usually the most vulnerable, the most excluded, and the most disenfranchised. This has changed in the Global Slavery Index and other research, uh, and uh, it's shown that now it's a guesstimated 65% that are females and are children. Uh, that's down from 80 to 85% over a decade to 15 years ago. It most likely means that more men are becoming vulnerable, and most likely uh, this is due to economic downturns, conflicts, and balance of power. When people have no power, which is often females and children, they are vulnerable to being used, abused and sold and have no or little power to resist or resilience to actually uh, not be forced into modern slavery. The fifth one is the laws don't protect them. The people most vulnerable because laws don't protect them are stateless refugees and asylum seekers and those in or fleeing from conflict. We'll call him Joseph. War had broken out in his country in uh, uh, eastern central Africa. 
he saw his father killed in front of him and his mother and sisters taken away by the soldiers. He took his two younger brothers and fled to Egypt to the north. At first he followed others from his area uh, who were doing the same thing uh, because this was a place of refuge, they thought and hoped. And it was not long before the others got ahead of him and it was just him and his two younger brothers, one four and one six years old, and he was only eight. They lagged behind the others and finally lost them. They were hungry and going slow. My friend from Egypt asked Joseph when he got to meet him and heard his story how he knew where to go when the others had gone ahead. How did they know which direction uh, to get to Egypt? I'll never forget the response. Joseph told him that it was not hard at all. All you do is to follow the skeletons of those in the side of the road and the track who had gone before, but had died along the way. They were detained before they eventually got to Egypt and put in a refugee camp and were put to work. It was illegal, but the laws in the country only applied to citizens of that country, not to refugees, and they had to do whatever they were told to get the food he and his younger brother needed to stay alive. Eventually, they did get to Egypt, and he was able to help his younger two younger brothers. This is an eight-year-old. It was caused because of the conflict and the powerlessness that they were in. Their family had gone, their parents had gone. And so this eight-year-old took his two younger brothers and headed to where he thought there was hope. You'll hear me say again and again on these podcasts that the currency, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the trade is in people, but the currency is hope. People long for something better than what they've got. The sixth area is complex global supply chains. The, we, the reason we push for traceability and transparency of products with Be Slavery Free when we are working with companies and businesses, uh, that uh, it's important for us to know that in the products we buy and consume, um, that often it comes through uh, a whole number of uh, areas or processes or parts to the supply chain. Um, Unless we know the factory, the farm, or the fishing boat uh, that it comes from, we can't even start to know what is happening there. Traceability becomes really important because of this complexity of the global supply chains. Uh, With a global company, our global economy rather, many products have raw products sourced from many different areas, countries, or regions. Then the processes or the manufacturing can use uh, a a number of places, a number of countries even, uh, and then there's the transporting, the warehousing, and it's sold. Each step in the supply chain is called a tier. Uh, The final tier is the the, uh, warehouse or the supplier that supplies it to the, 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 the business or the retailer that we buy it from. It can be very complex. Some can have very long supply chains or tiers in the supply chain uh, going back sometimes 10, 11, 15 tiers. In a later podcast, I'll talk about the United Nations Guiding Principles for Business on Human Rights, which were passed in 2011. Um, It put the responsibility for all 
the tiers in the supply chain, the whole supply chain, onto companies and also onto governments to support companies to help wherever uh, they can to make this a possibility. And so uh, with these complex uh, supply chains and with a global economy, most times we import things into consuming countries in the Western world uh, because it's a cheaper way of doing it. Labour is expensive. Uh, in uh, Australia and the United States, in um, uh, Japan and in uh, the UK and uh, Canada and EU, um, we're consuming countries and we have very, very good um, rights for workers. That often means that we've got to pay them more. That means the cost of a product goes up. In the global supply chains, often is much, much cheaper because the labour products are so much cheaper, the production of the primary goods to, for a product uh, can be produced much cheaper uh, because of the mining, because of the uh, uh, the cost of uh, wages in a, a factory, on a farm or on a fishing boat. Um, and so what we start to see is this all connects together to make complex supply chains which are sometimes opaque. You can't see, you can't dig down. Uh, the Australian Modern Slavery Act, as with the UK Modern Slavery Act, the Transparency and Supply Chain Act in California, and the emerging laws in the EU, uh, particularly on due diligence on human rights, um, are, are, are there that help unpack this and help to put the responsibility on those importing goods and producing goods in country as well to be able to show where their supply chain is. Gradually it is unfolding emerging tools and platforms uh, and ways of doing this are starting to emerge and we'll talk more about those in some of the podcasts which are coming up. So um, do, so do consumers then have a role in this area? We sure do. There's a drive to get more and more things in consuming countries, in most countries. And there are two ways that we get more things. One, we get more money to buy more things. Or two, we get more things cheaper and cheaper so that with the money that we've got, we can get more things. Guess which has affected these complex supply chains to seek cheaper and cheaper goods. Yep, we want more things. We want them cheaper. And the way that we do that is uh, we rely on companies to actually uh, be as efficient and get goods as cheap as possible. But there is an incredible cost sometimes to getting cheaper goods. And the cost of that is people's lives. People get caught in modern slavery because goods are wanting to be purchased for a cheaper price. So when we're consumers, what do we do? Well, we can find out where things are coming from. We can ask companies. We can go to their websites and find out if they have a modern slavery statement or if they have a policy on the procurement of their uh, their goods, etc. You can go directly to the company and ask them. Most of them have um, uh, on their website uh, places where you can uh, inquire about these things. Uh, and if they don't, ask them why they don't. Uh, there is a way for us to be able to have what we call not boycotting products, but boycotting. In other words, 
choose what you buy and buy from companies and buy products that have taken the effort to actually find out where it's coming from if there's a a clean supply chain, if there are steps that are being taken to try and find out and stop modern slavery and to work those, if they are caught in that, to actually be what's called remediated, to be brought out of that and put back into a situation of what they were in or better than when they were in before they got caught in slavery. Well, that is just a short introduction to some of the key reasons why modern slavery occurs and there'll be more to come in future podcasts as well so sign up for it and uh, look for those coming out we'll be bringing them out weekly and this has been fuzz kiddo on the slavery unraveled podcast for be slavery free so if you're just starting this journey or if you want to know more you can go to our website www.beslaveryfree one word dot com beslaveryfree.com and look at the resources and contact to help you to learn more this is the first step get informed get an understanding start to get across it there are also ways that you can support us as we try to disrupt prevent and abolish modern slavery join us and find ways that you too can start doing simple things that are going to make a difference that can actually help people and you can be a part of a movement that's really going to make a difference. This has been a podcast from Be Slavery Free. Please sign up and uh, listen for more. We'll be coming out weekly and you can get informed about modern slavery and make a difference.